I'm Brian Dixon, and I'm going Outside the Law. This is Outside the Law with your hosts, Vince Taumina and Ryan Krupp. Welcome to Outside the Law. I'm your host, Ryan Krupp, and I'm joined by my other hosts, Vince Taramina and Angela Porcelli. And we have Brian Dixon on with us today. He's a host of Deep Thoughts with the Dixons, and he's also a uh, venture capitalist. I guess you could call yourself that, right? Or a vulture capitalist. (laughs) An entrepreneur (laughs) of many many trades. Very (laughs) exciting. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, But first, we're going to talk about the traffic today. What was that? Yeah, by the way, okay, my, my... Personal injury lawyer senses were tingling really, really. <laughs> I was so pumped about traffic today because yeah. as soon as I get off the exit, car rack, have to go around it. Big car rack, too. It could have been a great case. He always has a card with him. Did, yeah, card? did you chuck cards out the window? I should have. <laughs> I should have. I wasn't a witness to the scene. I don't, I don't know what the ethics people would do if I did that. They'd have a fit. Yeah. yeah I, think, I don't know. on TV. So Probably worst was... things have happened. I, I, right. I texted him in our group chat, yeah. and I said uh, the names of like three attorneys who I'm not going to say. Yeah. But I was like, you know, you better give your card out because so and so and so and so and so and so are racing there right now. <laughs> They're gonna be there. And on I go. Way. One of them's eating sandwiches. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and I, exactly. And I was like, "This is gold." Yeah. And uh, you know, Angela saw it and said nothing. I yeah. did see. I almost did the ha ha on right, there. Yeah. No, nope, she didn't. I, I and, said uh, nothing. I was driving. Yeah, I was well, being a responsible driver. The uh, reasonably prudent person. That's right. I would re- I would run the license plate, and then I would create a false Instagram account and slide in the DM and say, have you heard of this attorney? Mm, <laughs> that's <laughs> really good. Don't yeah. let it trace back to you. That's a really good <laughs> the idea. Genius. That's, yeah, that's a little bit too, uh, too techy for <laughs> See, me, honestly. That's, that's why he does what he does, and he's successful at what he does as a venture capitalist. He right, comes yeah. up with these unique ways to uh, you know get people out there. And we were all in there like, and yes, we're going to get out, and we're going to be lawyers. And then he's like... No, I'm not yeah. gonna do that. I've decided I'm a lot smarter than that. Well, let's let him talk about that. Give us your, give us a background. What do you, where are you from? What do you do, and all that sort of stuff. Sure. Yeah. So I was born and raised in St. Louis. I uh, grew up in Sunset Hills area. Where'd you go to high school? And I went to high school at Lindbergh. Mm. And uh, yep. Went through there. It was really good. Then afterwards, I went to Mizzou. Um, I was about three and a half years deep at Mizzou going to school, didn't really know what I wanted to do yet um, at all. I was just kind of bouncing around to different majors because I hadn't really figured out what I was happy with. And for three uh, and a half years. About three and a half years. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, what yeah. I landed on was English. I've always yeah. been like really good. English has been my strong suit yeah, over absolutely. other subjects, and I was a good writer. Not a math so, guy uh, particularly? Or? Not, no, I, math was something I had to like, work harder at yeah. and learn. So I, uh, I went through that process, and then when I was in my last year at Mizzou, I got in a really bad car accident. And I ended up coming back to St. Louis and I transferred to UMSL at the time because my brother is a personal injury attorney here in St. Louis. And he was like, hey, why don't you just come back, finish your last semester here and start working with me to see if you're interested in it. And if so, you can end up going to law school. And I was like, "Okay, sounds good. So I came back, transferred to UMSL, finished up school there while I started working at the firm and uh, ended up working there for about a year after school before I decided, you know what, I'll do this. So I ended up taking all the exams and uh then ended up going to WashU, and it was during my second for year school. for law school. For law school, yeah. yeah. And it was during my second year of law school that I learned about cryptocurrency. Yeah. I was just sitting in class one day, and, uh, and for, those, for those at home, explain 
what cryptocurrency is. We got a conversation yeah. about sure. certain we, cryptos we're talking we, about, but these two right, are yeah, totally right. left out. Right, no, yeah. we, we, met, we met before and we yeah. were talking about it and I was like, man, this is going to be so cool to have on the show. And I was yeah. like, I hope you can make it a lot more simple yeah. than this because yeah. I have no idea what you're talking Specifically, about. Specifically, sure. what cryptocurrency did you find? Well, at the time it was only Bitcoin. Right. So this is like late 2011, early yeah. 2012 timeframe. And to give everyone an understanding, what cryptocurrency is, is it's basically a digitized asset. So think of Bitcoin specifically as a financial transaction mechanism that allows two parties to exchange a financial store of value. So basically, I look at Bitcoin as not necessarily a cryptocurrency, even though it gets looped into that term. I look at Bitcoin as more of a digital gold. So it's something that is built on a technology called blockchain, which allows two parties, two strangers for that fact, to transfer anything of value almost instantaneously in a very transparent and secure manner. And Bitcoin specifically is just one application built on top of blockchain. So if you compare that against like the internet, for example, the internet was created in email is one application built on top of the internet protocol. Okay. Mm. Bitcoin is one financial application built on the blockchain protocol. And all the other cryptocurrencies, are they all on the, the blockchain? So they all have their own versions of blockchains, and a lot of them have built on a platform called Ethereum. Um, EOS is another big one. There's one called NEO. So there's like five to ten more prevalent blockchains out there that have the most user adoption that people have built their applications on top of. But there's tons of blockchains being created all the time. And the way I look at it is eventually, like we had this, the internet, which is now ubiquitous. We carry it around on our phone every day or on our watch, whatever we, however we use it. Sometimes, unfortunately. Yeah, and uh, exactly. Sometimes, unfortunately. But blockchain is basically this next level of the internet. It's this new opportunity for us to digitize assets of all different types to exchange value in a way that we've never been able to. All right, let me, let me shoot this at you real quick. Sure. Because this is kind of the... Uh, we're, we're so quiet. We're in awe. No, no, no. I, I'm I fascinated. I'm just like, thing. tell yeah. me more. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. learning more, yeah. but I already have like a, a super, you know, uh, a basic. question. Yeah, basic <laughs> yeah. question that sure. I think a lot of people ask, and you see it on the news, and it's like the, the biggest dumbo dumb question to ask because it's always on the news, and they're like, it isn't of any value. Like it, it it's going to burst because it doesn't exist or some ridiculous, you know, like it's like mm -hmm. Bitcoin is not real or something like that. I mean, yeah. what, what do you, what do you say to that? I say it's kind of like the U S dollar, which is backed by nothing. Right. Uh, yeah. so <laughs> we just buy into it. It, it really <laughs> yeah. is. So yeah. if you really look at like the U S dollar used to be backed by gold. Right. Um, now it's backed. It says in God, we trust on the right. top. So that's what it's right. backed by. Right. Um, but well, it's even, not even the price of gold. Though, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I don't like, I think that eventually, and this is actually in process, is they're going to digitize currencies in general all around the world. Well, and we see that going on in Europe right now, too. A lot of these places like Sweden, I think, for example, they're not really carrying on cash anymore. Oh, no. A lot of the treasuries are just doing pure cards and stuff like that, right? That's kind yeah. of the transition we're going towards because I don't carry cash. Mm -hmm. You know, I know my grandma carries cash. And yeah, can't get robbed. That's like the best right. thing. Well, well, you can't get well, physically can, robbed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Get credit card. Yeah. Yeah. Using yeah. credit card. One of the most advanced cashless societies is China. So yeah, when I was in China, really. they all use this application called WeChat. And WeChat is basically connected to all your bank accounts. And it's also a social media platform. It's a messaging platform. You can 
phone call, video call. It's like everything's built inside this one application. And so you go to dinner in China and they come and they, like when you're done and you're checking out, they don't come and ask for your card. They bring this little device. You pull out this WeChat app that has a QR code in it. <laughs> it's, it scans it and you're literally out like it's that. Perfect. It just drafts perfect it out of your account. Big yeah. brother, man. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. funny because the government <laughs> right. there just like is scanning it and they've right. got, they're loving every minute of oh, it yeah. probably, you know? I mean, that's a different story, but like yeah. it's, it's wow. pretty remarkable, but that's wow. basically like what cryptocurrency is. And I think it's important to differentiate that cryptocurrency has been this term that's came out right. that applies to all these different types of assets. But a better way to think of it is crypto assets, mm -hmm. because not all of them are technically, quote unquote, currencies right. like we would consider uh -huh. currencies like dollar bills or, you know, paying on your card or mobile payments, things like that. Um, they're a lot more just basically digital assets. And right. the reason it's called cryptocurrency is because the asset itself is backed by cryptography, which is mathematics, which is why Bitcoin's so interesting and these other things, because it's backed by a basically computer code that engineers can go in and look at and they can see how it operates and they can test it and validate it. Whereas like the Treasury and the Federal Reserve, if we like need more cash, they just print it. Like with, right. with cryptocurrency, it's right. set by a finite amount of rules governed by mathematics, not governed by people doing what they want to do. I mean, what happens if they, I mean, th theoretically, <laughs> this might be a kind of crazy question, but theoretically, if they reach their capacity as a cryptocurrency, which mm -hmm. I'd imagine it's built into uh reach a pretty high capacity sure uh, because you can buy, you can buy is. you can mine more bitcoin right there's a you way can. to do so it. yeah there's only according to how the math is governed right now there's only going to be 21 million bitcoin ever mined and yeah. there's over half of that that's been mined uh, so far and each year it actually gets more and more difficult to mine it and so to mine a bitcoin basically they have these computer systems that are trying to solve very advanced math problems. And when you solve these math problems, your reward for solving that problem is getting some Bitcoin. And so <laughs> yes. that's, that's wow. how it's structured. But wow. the problem is Bitcoin... Like a crazy game. Wow. <laughs> Bitcoin specifically is very... Uh, energy intensive for how yeah. the technology is built. So there's people that have like huge warehouses just full of computer servers all day long trying to solve Mine. these math problems. Bitcoin. And wow. because of it, they're just pumping energy through. So it's not efficient. And so other blockchains have been created that allow you to govern the, their, their currency or their digital tokens where it's not so energy intensive. Right. So how so. do you obtain Bitcoin? Is it just through solving these math problems? No. So from a consumer perspective, you can go on a variety of different exchanges and basically you just connect your bank account to it. And one of the most known ones in the United States is called Coinbase. They're based in San Francisco. Uh, incredibly fast-growing company. They're going to be like a world leader, and they already are in that space. But you basically connect it to your bank account, and you can go in and say, I want to buy $50 of a Bitcoin. So like right now, Bitcoin's probably hovering around... It's about 10000 10000 right bucks. Now. Yeah. yeah, so you don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin. You can buy a fraction of a Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. So you can say, I want to put 10 bucks in it. You would just do the transaction on there. It would draft the money out of your account, and then it would put the cryptocurrency in your digital wallet through that Coinbase platform. Okay, so, so. We, we got we got to we've we've uh, discussed a little bit about what Bitcoin is. Uh, Why our, is it important to your life? Well, you know? sure. Yeah. I want I want to get to because we were yeah. at uh, you went to law school and okay. that's, that's and then you started discovering Bitcoin. Uh -huh. But yeah. that's kind of where we're at. Take us back through the story. You well, went to law school. Yeah, you're in so law school. Tell us I, I learned about. Bitcoin. There was no other cryptocurrencies that existed at the While time. While you're doing regular 1L things or 2L things? Uh, 2L stuff. 2L, 2L stuff, time, right? yeah. So I'm doing regular 2L stuff. passion over law <laughs> and school. It, and it know? was like my this light bulb went off in yeah. my head when I learned about it. And I spent a couple months like very intensively researching it. 
and something just triggered and it was like i think this is going to be huge like i yeah. think this hey, what is what year like, is that by the way this was a late 2011 early 2012 right. so this is not like we were learning about bitcoin in 2013 14 Maybe yeah, like I first heard about it probably around 2012. Right, 2012 is when it maybe it started. And then, of course, 17 mm-hmm. was when it got real big right, in the yeah, media because right. it skyrocketed to 20,000. Exactly. So, yeah. you're, so you're in law school. You're putting all your resources or you're all your time, your extra time into mm-hmm. what, learning about it. Yeah, okay. and then I had all this information spread across my Google Drive, and I was like, if I want to understand this better, I need to aggregate it and synthesize it and basically put it together and teach somebody else. Like I'm the type of person where I always think I can learn something better if I understand it really well, but then I can learn it really good if I teach other people about right, it. Right. And I kind of learned through doing it that way. And so I ended up taking the information I'd gathered in all my research and I wrote two books. Um, one was called Bitcoin Basics 101 that basically t- took this very technical subject matter and broke it down in layman's terms so anybody can understand right. um, about Bitcoin and blockchain. The second book was about all the cryptocurrency startup companies that were getting funding at this time the venture capital firms that were investing in them, what their value proposition was, and my predictions on where I thought the future of blockchain technology was going to go. That's called Block Party on the Blockchain. And if anybody wants to read those, they're on my website for free. BrianDixon.business is the website, and they're on there for free. You can download them. Um, So at that point, I was coming out of school, still working at the personal injury firms at the time, and a lot of the stuff that I was doing was not so much on the legal side. I really enjoyed doing more of like the business development, marketing, um, and I got really fortunate because the guy that I worked for he really mentored me and like taught me the inner workings of how to run a business really right, well, right. as opposed to, you know, just sit here and write legal briefs right. or sit here Instead and do just research. The, the legal stuff, right? Exactly. I, I know you're talking about, and I can see where you're getting that like real true business, you know, backing. So that's a sure. pretty important. And uh, in law school, actually, I had a website business that I started. It was about nutrition fitness and music and i built that up and was able to sell that online and didn't make any money off of it it was like a really good learning experience and uh that was kind of where i got this ambition to say you know what i eventually want to like start companies i can find myself really enjoying that so after i graduated from school i worked at the firm for a couple months and i was like after you graduated from law school yeah you didn't did you go straight and take the bar or what happened Mm -hmm. yeah okay and then i was working at the firm for a couple months after that and then i was like, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I want to do it right now. Like, I don't want to get really far into this and then like not do it. And so I went to the managing partner at the firm that I was at and I was like, look, man, I, uh, I'm really fascinated in this. And he actually was the, one of the first people that gave me funding to go invest in and, cryptocurrency. And, and this, this me being Bitcoin. Correct. This right. being okay. Bitcoin. At the okay. time, here's so a funny you, story. You pitched it to him or you, I mean, already just knew that you had written, written these books about it. So, you had so I actually pitched it to him before I wrote the books and okay. he goes, that's pretty interesting. And then he got hooked on it and he started yeah. researching it like crazy. And he goes, let's figure out how to put money into it. And yeah. so at the time there was these two Chinese stock market exchanges. One was called Mt. Gox and one was called BTC-E. And we put our money in the one called BTC-E, luckily, because Mt. Gox disappeared with hundreds of millions of dollars. (laughs) Just flat out disappeared. (laughs) All right. uh, They can't find anybody that's fine. And then then soon after that, that Coinbase company I mentioned, they started as a startup in San Francisco and I learned about it and I go, Let's create counts on this. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's transfer to, our this money. This is a more reliable source. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. And it's funny because I actually applied for Coinbase when I was in my last year of law school, and I yeah. interviewed with them further along, and uh, they, I wasn't a good fit. They were looking for like a lot of engineering-minded people and right, backgrounds right. in that. When you're an English major. Yeah, yeah. and a, law stu- and a, law, like, a lawyer. I was like, yeah. this is a bummer because their company yeah. in the last seven years is now worth like $9 billion. Right, <laughs> so right. like, that would have been a good hookup. Right. But, uh, so I finished up that. I told him, I was like, look, I... I want to get in the technology space. I'm having difficulty 
with these cryptocurrency companies because they all want technical minded people to be coders and develop the products. And he goes, yeah, man, do it. I support you. If you want to do it, do it right now, early in your career. So I ended up leaving the firm and I was at home starting to fire off applications at these different cryptocurrency companies. Nobody would hire me because of that reason of not having a technical background. And I watched this movie on Netflix called Something Ventured. And Something Ventured is about the grandfathers who founded venture capital. So like okay. Sequoia Capital, Kleiner Perkins, these are all like globally successful venture well, and funds. Le and let's explain to, to people out there what venture capital means. What sure. is that? What, what does a venture capitalist like yourself do? Sure. So the majority of every single company that people use on a daily basis was at one point in time funded by venture capitalists. Not all of them, but the vast right. majority. And what venture capital is, is these firms will raise investment funds and then they will invest in startup companies and help okay. the companies grow. So basically when a startup company gets to a point where maybe they've invested their own capital into it and they're reaching a point where they need to raise outside capital because they're out of funds to invest themselves, but they've really figured something out, they'll seek venture capital funding to, um, they'll invest in the company, you'll take equity in that startup sure. company. So so kind of like Shark Tank? It's exactly That's like exactly Shark Tank. Yeah. So oh, well, the yeah. people yeah. on Shark Tank are venture capitalists. Um, and, you know... It's th that th that show is obviously blown up for glamour and stuff on right, TV, right. but that's a lot of what we do. We see a lot of startup companies, and that's what venture capitalists do. Companies will come and pitch them their concepts, and usually funds have different strategies. Like you'll have one that will invest in business-to-business -business software companies. You may have another one that's like, I'm going to do consumer packaged goods, another one maybe energy technology. So usually you're pretty strategically focused, and that's what you sell your investors on, and they invest in the fund, and then you manage their money. Now, the venture capital space is literally before cryptocurrency was invented. Right. It was the, the riskiest investment space there is because like 90% or more of startups fail. Right. But it's that one company you invest in that turns into your Google or your Facebook or your Twitter, right? Right. right. So you're, you're back fresh out of law school. You, know, you got your law degree. You left your firm because you're here about to pursue this mm -hmm. dream. You're, you're seeing a Netflix series yeah. about venture capitalism. So yeah. I really like the... I really love the the drive behind that. Had, had you already, uh, excuse me for interrupting, but had you already bought Bitcoin at that time? Or yeah, I had owned okay. Bitcoin for a couple of years. Okay, then, okay. At that point. So it was starting to evaluate more, and you had some money behind you. Then you watched the yeah. So, and then so I, I watched the thing, okay. and I had there's a guy in the movie named Don Valentine, and yeah. he's the founder of Sequoia, which is the number one most successful venture fund in the world. Right. And I randomly find his email online, and I just shoot him a note, and I was like, Hey, Don. I just finished law school. I, I watched this movie. I knew nothing about venture capital until about a week ago when I saw your movie, but it's like really seemed interesting to me. What kind of advice or mentorship can you give me? Like never expecting this guy to reply, right. multi-billionaire. Right. And like a week and a half later, I'm sitting on my computer and I'm firing off resumes to different places and I get a call from Silicon Valley and it's him on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and I hit him up yeah. and I'm like, yeah. I'm like, Don. Uh, he's like, is this Brian? And I'm yeah. like, I'm like, yeah, who's this? He goes, it's Don. Don <laughs> Valentine. And, this guy, and that's his name. And it's so funny. Like th this guy's like, he's a character, like super yeah. blunt, like nice yeah. guy, super blunt. And uh, he's like, so... You just did three years of law school, and uh, and now you want to go into venture capital. Well, yeah. you just wasted three fucking years of your <laughs> <laughs> And I started cracking up on the phone, and I'm like, well, I appreciate I was like, I don't look at it that way, but I appreciate that. Yeah. And so I was like, you know, give me some feedback. Give me some mentorship. What can you advise me to do if I want to get in this sure. space? And he goes, okay, uh, you know, 
what we usually do is we never hire people that are fresh out of school to be venture capitalists at our firm because we want them to be entrepreneurs that have the operational expertise to help scale the companies that we're investing in. Right. It's like, that makes perfect sense. Um, and he's like, you know, I'll tell you some war stories of some of the companies we invested in. So he's like, tell me about when they invested in Steve Jobs and Oracle. And yeah. this one funny story, he goes, Brian, we had this crazy guy come to us. And he goes, you know what? I figured out how to sell shoes online. And, you know, he's starting to get some traction. So we gave him a couple million bucks. Years later, Brian, he made us a billion dollars with a B, Brian, a billion. <laughs> he goes, that company turned out to be Zappos.com. Oh, my God. And, uh, and so he was, he, was, he was a great guy, super character. This and is some huge freaking multi-billionaire, billionaire guy giving you a call to the blue. That doesn't uh -huh. happen anymore. That's, no. that's, how, you should, that's yeah. how you should also introduce yourself from now. You should be like, yeah. I'm Brian Dixon with a B. With a B. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my uh, god! So basically, he his advice to me was: he goes, found a company or get in early with a company that you're super passionate about. That's going to grow really big because the market is really big. He's like, don't focus on small markets. Focus on markets that are really big around the world. And he goes, when you do that and you go through the process, regardless if you're successful or not, you'll have the operational expertise to understand how to scale a company. I was like, that makes perfect sense. So at that time, I learned how quickly the entrepreneurial ecosystem in St. Louis was growing. Like I was right. applying to places in Boston and New York and San Francisco and not even really realizing how quickly the innovation ecosystem right. here was growing. And I came across this co-working space in downtown St. Louis called T-Rex. And I actually ended up going down there one day. And just for some of the people that may be on the law deal here a little bit, uh, that's, I think, in the same building as the Bar Association headquarters, isn't it? The Bamboo so. building? Yeah, yeah I think it's yeah, like yeah. in the same building down yeah. in, what is it, Washington Avenue? Yeah, 9-11 Washington, yeah. Washington yeah, that's Avenue. That's it. Yeah, that's right. right down There's there. a lot of stuff in there. I've been in there before. Yeah. yeah. So wow. before I knew it's Capital Innovators, which I'll talk about as the company I, I'm with, um, they actually founded T-Rex. So T-Rex was first started to fund, to be a co-working space to let the companies that we mentor and right. invest in operate out of. Um, so I was basically down in T-Rex, uh, knocking on doors, just kind of meeting people, learning about what they were working on, learning about the products they were building. And I came across a company called Capital Innovators and uh, walked in and I was learning about what they do. And they manage very early stage venture capital funds. So they're investing in startups. At the time, they were a startup themselves. It was the CEO and a director of operations that worked there, and that was it. And that was it? That was it, wow. yeah. And um, they also run the, ex the companies they invest in through a 12-week program called an accelerator to help these businesses get mentorship to scale. And the people that help with the program are very experienced entrepreneurs and executives. And you call They're, that like an incubator, maybe? Is, that, is so that kind of the... The biggest difference, I think, between an incubator and accelerator is incubators are usually more real estate plays, oh, okay. whereas accelerators are more investment plays. All right. um, and these, the mentors that were in this program... They are all like semi-retired, retired people that just have like years and years of experience. So it's kind of like they're just doing a pro bono kind of in a way. They're just coming out to help. And exactly. They're not getting paid for it. I'm making money out of it. They're just doing it because... They want to stay relevant. They right. want to stay engaged. Pro, pro bono. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just it's yeah. kind of what it is. So right? Some yeah. of them are our investors too, okay. but the vast majority of them are not. And one of them actually gave me some feedback one time and I asked him, I go, why do you keep doing this year after year after year? And he goes, Brian, there's nowhere else in the world where every single time we run one of these accelerator programs, I can learn more for free. Right. Because we're, we're investing in six companies. We're running them through. They're all working on cutting edge technology and interesting right. markets with interesting business models. So I meet the, the director of operations. He tells me about the business. I was like, this is really cool. I go, listen, man, here's my background. Um, can I work for you for free? Yeah, I, I want to work for you for free. I want to learn what you're doing. And if there's an opportunity for me in the future, great. If not, maybe I'll just get networked and another opportunity will present itself. Sure. Right, right. 
And so he's like, yeah, man, sure. So we, we scheduled a meeting after that. I started working for him. And then like six weeks later, he reaches out to me and he goes, hey, Brian, I'm going to be leaving to start a new venture fund. Uh, would you be interested in meeting with our CEO to see if you want to work full time? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So he ended up leaving and starting a venture fund uh, with some other partners called Lewis and Clark Ventures, which is a Series A fund here in St. Louis. They raised like $135 mm-hmm. million. Dollars. Wow. Yeah. And uh, they focus in like technology, agricultural technology and biotechnology, life sciences as well. And uh, so I ended up meeting the CEO. We really hit it off. And then I was working full time a week later. And at that point, we were just investing in early stage technology startups and running them through this 12 week program. And we had just begun raising our second investment fund. And uh, we ended up raising money to allow us to not only invest in the early stage companies, but invest like one to $500,000 check sizes into companies that are a little further along. Mm. So for our regular program, each company gets $100,000 in capital, a little over a million dollars worth of perks and benefits through partnerships that we have. So that could be things like free legal services, free accounting services, Mm -hmm. sales and marketing assistance, things of that nature. And then we provide them with office space. Each company gets access to what we call a lead mentor, which basically acts as a co-CEO for that business for the course of the 12 weeks. So they're very active in our programming. They're participating with the companies and helping them scale. So do they they use your uh, office space in the Cortex there? They do, yeah. They they have a spot, you know, every time you (laughs) sign somebody up or you get somebody in, Mm -hmm. they get a spot within Capital Innovators in your spot. Exactly. So we have a co-working space that we manage and all the companies we invest in for that program get free space as part of the perk of being part of the program. And for anybody who wants to get into this program, Mm -hmm. what is that process like? They just come to you and say, hey, I've got this idea. I've got this little business I'm starting up. Mm -hmm. Would you be interested in taking a look at it and see if it's something that's down your all's alley? Or how does that work? Do you all reach out to people who are doing stuff too? It's a combination of both. So um, as the brand has grown over the years, we get a lot of applications from different types of companies. Our sweet spot is when a business has their product complete, they've taken it to market, and they're starting to generate some early users and some early revenue. That's where we can really bring them in, train the founders how to be excellent operators. Um, We'll give them the investment capital. We'll teach them how to test out different types of models and help them really scale. And so we focus on our investment funds that we manage on the private side, we do technology and consumer packaged goods. So that's industry agnostic in regards to both of those. So we have investments in companies that have done really well, like Locker Dome. They're Mm -hmm. based off Washington Avenue. They're like a, when they first received investment from Capital Innovators, they were like a Facebook for sports, for football athletes, actually, specifically. And now like eight iterations later, they are like native mobile advertising widgets for forms inside of social media channels. Like 180 degrees (laughs) different. What does that even mean? I don't even know what that means. And now they're like super (laughs) successful. And uh, they're doing great. And then we've got other investments in companies like Label Insight is another portfolio company that's doing right. super well. They've got transparency around nutritional labels and uh-huh. data and insights that go into that. So some of their customers are people like the FDA. Okay. And um, and then on the consumer packaged goods side, we have everything from like refrigerated cookie dough that comes in a stand-up pouch with no aluminum. I don't know if you knew that, but a uh-huh. cookie, cookie dough has aluminum in it. Oh. Um, and so that's, that's kind of one of their sticks. Dang. Cookie dough has aluminum in it? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's got actually, a lot it's of a aluminum in it, man. It's a thing? preservative. Really? Yeah. And then we've got... Raw, too. Yep, that's com- why I know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you know it has aluminum? Yeah. I didn't realize that. Angela's been knowing that's about it. She knew about the aluminum the whole time, and she didn't share it with us. Wow. We just learned We're about it. I mean, Brian. YOLO, I'm eating it too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't stop eating the cookie dough because yeah. of the aluminum. I'm, I'm nope. probably going to go home and eat some cookie dough. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty good. Cookie dough after. I'll make my own cookie dough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Aluminum-free cookie dough. You haven't died of salmonella yet. You're good. 
Well, I'm dying from aluminum. Oh man! Right, so right, so you invested. So they're doing they're doing no aluminum cookie dough. Thank you. What's her name? What's her name again? What's the name of that company? Suzy's Doozies. So they have. They're like they come. You know know that one? Yes. Yeah. So they have a stand up box. And then they also have. <laughs> She's like, I'm sick of this aluminum cookie dough. I'm going to get Susie's dudes. She have, already knew. I love cookie dough. I'm just going to say I love cookie dough. I love the edible cookie dough stuff. Mm. I'm really on that bandwagon. Okay. So, yes, I do my research well, and I know that stuff. Well, Susie's <laughs> Doozies, they actually have That's a funny. bar they sell in stores as okay. well. So you can, like, buy it. I think it's in... It's in like a bunch of Dollar Generals and Starbucks and uh, Whole Foods now too, where yep. they it's they remove the egg foods. out of it, so you can eat the cookie dough bar raw. That's kind huh. of the point. Is it, it. So is it vegan? Now? I don't necessarily <laughs> know if it's vegan. I just know that they remove a lot of the ingredients that could make you sick. Sure, but who doesn't eat? Who doesn't no, I was gonna say I I have That's risked it many times. Yeah, I've never gotten sick. Oh, I've yeah. never gotten sick yeah. from eggs. No, never. Absolutely not. The edible cookie dough train is all right. So you're in the cortex in St. Louis. Central West End area, I'd say. Uh-huh. Um, tell the people about your space, because I've been there, and it's a pretty sweet spot. Sure, yeah. So we were in T-Rex before that, and then in okay. 2016, we started trying to figure out how can we take our business model and make it valuable for other people than just startup companies, right? Mm-hmm. And so we started figuring out that we're getting access to these innovations from all around the world. Corporations really struggle in that space. And so we, if we can figure out ways to solve their problems – through startup innovation, that would be a really good engagement. So we ended up creating a corporate partnership with Merits and then moved into mm. CIC in the Cortex Innovation Community in Central West End. And that's when we took office space in the location where you visited me at. And um, so we basically came in there with Merits. So Merits has employees that will come and work out of there sometimes. And they'll actually provide workshops to our startup companies around user experience, sales, marketing, technical development, uh, things like creating loyalty-based reward incentive programs for your users. Um, just a variety of different things they're super helpful with. So didn't that uh, space kind of originate from somewhere else? It was like a Cambridge plan or something like that? Yeah, so CIC stands for Cambridge Innovation Center, and they were operating in Cambridge, Massachusetts for about 17 years. Where Harvard is, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Yeah. No, they were actually, yeah, right across MIT. the street from Greenwich Square. Where, 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 MIT. Yeah, MIT. Yeah, yeah, probably from MIT, though. And they were arguably at the time like the most successful co-working space in the world before WeWork blew up and some of these other ones. And the owner of that said, you know what, I think I can replicate this business model. So they went out and raised a bunch of funding and then started a 50-location global expansion. And because of the entrepreneurial ecosystem growth, specifically in St. Louis, they chose St. Louis as location number two. Wow. And what, yeah. what, what are some of the big stuff coming out of St. Louis then right now? What, what are some of the innovation like? You know, obviously we have a general sense that tech is kind of big here, but give us the rundown of what you're seeing really that differentiates St. Louis from Silicon Valley or something like that. Sure. So the biggest reason we have companies that move from all over the world here, in turn, especially like Silicon Valley and Boston and New York, is it right. costs like one-third to one-fourth to live cheaper. here yeah. and mm-hmm. scale your business. And so why that's attractive from an investment perspective is if you're in San Francisco – and we're giving you a million bucks and 40% of that million dollars is going to pay rent. Like that's not very efficient, right? In St. Louis, you can spend, you know, a fourth of that of what you would be paying on rent and use the rest towards sales, marketing, business development, growing the company. So we're seeing companies from all over the place move here for that reason. In terms of interesting technology, um, we are starting to see some pretty fascinating companies as well. Like there's a lot of buzzwords that you hear in my space, like blockchain and artificial intelligence and internet of things of all these different types of technologies that are the cutting edge trends that are coming out that, you know, we see very early on, but over the course of the next three to five years, it will affect all of our lives very much. 
Um, but yeah, we've got some interesting, like some more consumer ones that I think the audience would understand is we have a company we invested in recently called Disruptel. And what Disruptel does is if you're watching TV or you're watching something on your mobile device in real time, you can say, who's that guy in the green shirt? And it will keep playing. It won't pause, but it will pop up on screen and say, that's Zac Efron. Dude, I was say, just thinking about this the other day because I always see these TV shows. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I, I recognize this guy from somewhere. Yeah. I'm like, I wish there was an ad oh, for yeah. that. That's yeah. brilliant. That's and, brilliant. And that's so what awesome. they do actually, how their technology yeah. works is they take a picture in, in real time. And they extract that information on the back end. They'll link it with like IMDb or, right. something, or Wikipedia. And then you can ask follow-up questions like, who... Who uh, is the maker of that shirt? What brand is that? And eventually, like they're in, they're in discussions with Amazon. Eventually, they want to be able to connect to Amazon and companies like that to say, "Buy me that shirt on Prime right right now." Yeah, I mean, that's wow. what I was saying. So it'll funnel directly to your. Wow. Yeah, I mean, okay, oh. people at home that can't see me, I'm like, I have to pick my job off the floor. <laughs> this could really help my shopping game. My <laughs> goodness, because I'm already a big IMDb person. I always have to know who that person is and what else they were in. It just drives people crazy. Sure. But if now I could know what they're wearing and where oh. to get it. Yeah. Game changer. Something. Yeah. So that's an interesting. Next one. level Pinterest for sure. <laughs> oh yeah. That's like. Woo. Well, I was thinking like next level attorney stuff too because we see the ads. You know, like call us now if you've been in a wreck or you know, get a check or whatever it is, you know, you mm -hmm. see the people doing their standard lawyer stuff. It's been, it's slow. It's really slow. It develops way slower than yeah. like the technology you're talking about does. One of our legal companies actually, since this is a legal based show yeah. is we had a legal technology company we invested in, in 2013 called Juristat that was a success for us. And they basically started at a St. Louis startup weekend. That's where the founders met right. each other. It was like a hackathon. And that's where they met. Mm -hmm. And they said, you know what, let's open source all of the patents that have been filed in the state of Missouri and see if we can develop an algorithm that allows us to predict the likelihood that a patent will be approved by a specific patent examiner. Wow. And that's what they created their product out of. And now they sell to all sorts of different types of companies that want to see, okay, if you get you know, paired with a specific examiner, what's the likelihood that this specific patent right. will get granted to you? Wow. I want, I want, I'm interested to know, because you do have a legal background too. Mm -hmm. What, well, I, I got two questions. But this is my first question for right now. Mm -hmm. Your legal background, do you see that actually coming into play in what you're doing? Are you glad that you have that? Or was it just kind of like, yeah, I should have listened and, and just not gone to law school, you know? Or do you find that now that you're out, you're actually doing some, that the law is actually important for you? Yeah, so I think that, I mean, you can learn how to do this stuff just by experience, right. obviously, but... I think it's a huge differentiator for what I do. And I'm actually, after going through it, I'm very surprised that other venture capitalists don't have legal backgrounds. And the reason I say that is because every time we do an investment, it's secured transactions. Right. Like it is one of the most challenging parts of law. At least I find it like oh, one of the yeah. most challenging parts of law. I even take it to the bar exam. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's yeah. and it, even like doing it, even after going through school and having an understanding in this space, like there's still stuff that's so nuanced with securities that <laughs> if you don't have an, an attorney that just lives and breathes this all day long, you, you'll get arrested by the SEC. Like there's yeah. stuff that you have to know because it's so complicated. And I think having that legal background, whenever we do investment transactions, I'm able to speak their language and I sure. get it. And I'm able to read these documents and they all make sense to me. Right. Um, and a lot of that is through experience as well, because I didn't do any type of securities transactions before I do what I right, do now. Right, but right. It's, it's very helpful to answer right. your question. And then my other question, we had such a long conversation about Bitcoin. Where does that come in? Sure. Is it just, does it just help you survive while you're working for them for free? Or where does the Bitcoin come in? Sure. So when I... 
started working for the company a couple years later. This was probably like 14, 2015 timeframe, I guess. Mm -hmm. A lot of my buddies at local corporations were like, hey, we're starting to seriously evaluate blockchain technology, which is what Bitcoin operates on. Um, for different types of stuff. Like we're seeing how we can implement it in pharmaceuticals or in supply chain, all these different ways that you can leverage the technology. Mm. They're like, you know, you've been talking about this stuff for years. Right. Will you come in and talk to our executive teams yeah. about it? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, sure. So it started off like from that point, kind of coming full circle. I was going into Monsanto or Express Scripts or Perina, these different companies, and they would be like, teach us yeah. about it. And so yeah. I would just do speaking engagements. And I was like, you know what? This is a bigger opportunity than just speaking engagements. Yeah. And so I founded a company where I would kind of with my mechanism to funnel my speaking engagements, but also help with like consulting and things like that sure. to help people with blockchain technology. And so that kind of snowballed. And by developing that personal brand of having an understanding of blockchain, I started getting invited to different conferences to talk. And then all of a sudden I'm invited to other like conferences, like in Korea, for example, like the, the government of Korea invited me to come over and speak at a conference. Wow. And wow. so that kind of snowballed. On blockchain and on Yeah. Bitcoin? So wow. I spoke about different types of crypto assets over there and then the government was considering implementing it now the u.s right. government is trying to figure it out for like voting and things right. like that and so they're through gonna, that they're gonna process, hold them hostage all of a sudden yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. brian brian with a b is gonna go missing <laughs> really soon. That's, right. that's right but uh kind of what happened there is that through that process i just started getting a lot of connections in that space and i was able to um, help a lot of different people but connect with a lot of amazing organizations yeah. like startups universities major corporations all over the world and then it reached a point where like companies now will come to me and be like, hey, will you be an advisor for my business? Like there's a company in Korea that I helped that created a decentralized blockchain based Instagram. Basically, it's called Foresting. Started helping them. They raised about 50 million dollars wow. and are growing really quick over in Korea. Sure. And so that's kind of how I brought it full circle is I still do it a lot in my personal life, but I'm still able to help startups and corporations and other people that want to understand it from a strategy. Have, perspective. You, have you figured out who is, um, is it Satoshi Nakamoto? What is the guy? Who's the guy that? That supposedly invented Bitcoin. Uh, that's that's the suit. The name is yeah, the right? Yeah. I think it's a group of people, and I actually yeah. think it's probably. I think it's potentially probably somebody that is government related, yeah. and they, they were like, "Hey, we got to create a grassroots movement so everyone's not like, oh, we're changing the financial supply like, or something." Like, you know, really like, <laughs> like like DoD Treasury kind of deal, DARPA, something like that. Something some, like that. Some yeah. deep I don't, state I don't, conspiracy. Yeah, I have yeah. no idea to be yeah. honest. I have no clue, but I don't. No think conspiracy theories really over here. Kind of light, yeah. lightly tiptoeing around the conspiracy yeah. theories. If it was created yeah. by one person, that person is like off the charts. A genius. One of the biggest geniuses of our time. Yeah, that's why I always think it was created by like a group of people that really tested stuff out. Right. Man, that's so fascinating to me. It, so one, one of the things I really like about you, too, is that you work super, super detailed into real technology. Like, you're you're so far into technology that you're thinking of technologies, technologies, technology. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're, like, kind of in this realm of non-existence almost so far, in, in my mind. You know, like... Welcome to the Matrix. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah you're, like, way in there. Well, I don't know if you guys saw it, but they actually just released it yesterday. They're coming out with the Matrix 4. I did 4. see that. Matrix 4, man. With Keanu's Was in it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how are they going to do that? Yeah. Oh, it's going to be yeah. great. I don't, I don't know. It's going to be like a resurgence a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of excited. Guess it's time to see Matrix 1. That's okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, come on. <laughs> I do like Keanu One of the best movies of all time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually... My favorite movie of his is... Um, the Devil's Advocate, you oh, know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> really? Oh yeah. You don't like The Devil's Advocate, <laughs> no, dude, dude? I love Al Pacino. That movie. <laughs> yeah. oh, you don't man. like Al Pacino? You have to. No, yeah. Oh, like you don't. That's like 
You're a lawyer. You don't like The Devil's Advocate. Hell no, I don't. No, <laughs> what? I like good movies. Right? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, anyway, that's it's not important anymore. Was, that wasn't that we that's, know. Nah, that's some insight it. into your character. The <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, the, okay. yeah, the criminal defense lawyer. That's right. You know, that's yes. That. I'm a lawyer. I win. <laughs> that's what I do. That's got to be Al Pacino's character that does that. Or is no, that, it's, it's, it's Keanu Reeves. Yeah, it's Keanu Reeves. Oh wow. You never see. It's been a yeah, while. See, but I'll train him for that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes on that whole monologue. Monologue and everything. Yeah. It's a good monologue. I mean, I you know, like theater, you like it. It's a real like theatery, you know, theatrical like monologue there at the yeah, end. Yeah, his especially. acting in the '90s was very emotive. Like it was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a real yeah, '90s a like woman. You know, <laughs> yeah. not a very it, good actor. It starts getting time. weird at the end. I will admit. When yeah. uh, best '90s movie. American Psycho. America, uh, it was America was American Psycho '99 or was it 2001? Like oh, it was it. Oh, I, I think it was maybe off. You need one of those phones that IMDb's anything That's on true. command. I need it. I may be off with my dates. I love that movie. Best '90s movie. It's not. It's not in vogue because of Kevin Spacey, but American Beauty was a great movie. Mm-hmm. If you ever seen that movie? Yeah. yeah, he won an Oscar for it. And now he well. should be in jail, probably for what you brought. I knew you were going to bring him up. I always I bring it. up Kevin Spacey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, oh, knew oh, I knew it yeah. was coming. I knew it was coming. Well, we talked about. Uh, we got really get sidetracked. That's why <laughs> we always do that. Uh, was that you? Was it you that brought that up? Anyway, it's what? Brian Matri- sidetracked. We started with Matrix. Sorry, yeah, yeah, Brian started yeah. with Matrix. Sorry, my bad. But you uh, always my come back to Kevin Spacey, right. man. <laughs> 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 it's a good thing I didn't have water in my mouth. It's gonna come out my nose. Yeah. You are notorious for that. So. Right. Uh, but um, what I was gonna say is that basically, like, you run your own podcast too. Yeah. Just deep thoughts with the Dixons, which I probably already said. But it's funny that one thing you promote sometimes is like disconnecting yourself mm-hmm. from the technology. Oh yeah. I mean, why don't you talk about that? Sure. So this will give you guys some insight into the way that I think. So from when I was pretty young, I would say middle school. I learned about meditation. I got super deep into meditation at a young age. And I was on and off throughout my life. And uh, when I was in law school, I got really deep back into it. And I always found it super, like I've always found the nature of our reality very interesting, like human consciousness. Okay. Like we don't have any definitive answers on what it actually is throughout the entirety of history. Okay. Like the two most important questions I love to ask people are, why are we here? And more specifically, why are you here as an individual, right? And the way that I look at this, which will lead to what you're getting into, is I think about our entire existence with our reality as there's this infinite sea of consciousness and that we're all connected to each other. But if you think about an ocean, there's this sea of water, and then you have waves coming up out of the ocean. Now, when you see a big wave, you know, you can point to it and be like, that's a big wave, but you you almost, in your mind, you consider it something separate from the ocean because it's coming out of it, but in reality, it's connected. And that's how I think we all are as human beings is we're living in this infinite sea of consciousness, although individually we're living out expressions of this consciousness. And although we appear to be separate from each other on this metaphysical plane that we can't see through our three-dimensional perception, we're all connected. That's why I don't believe in coincidences. I, I think everything that happens like that's a synchronicity. There's this great cosmic conscience out there, basically. Exactly. That we're all part of. We're just kind of all going about our own. I like that a lot. Sure. And a lot. A lot of us, I think, have felt that through different things. Um, you have, you know, the, the like the idea that there's, uh, you know, the 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 consciousness, you know, the consciousness, and then you have your like people that w- that it's spirituality or connected mm-hmm. to a religion. And I even tell clients whether it be you know, criminal cases or civil cases when it's like personal injury case or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, look, you got 
three things as a person. You have like your spirituality, however you feel that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have your health, and then you have your liberty. Like that's it. As a human being, pretty much that 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 covers the gambit of it. Because I think that has mental, you know, spiritual. Like mm-hmm. that that's pretty much all. Well, and your family too. Well, I think your yeah, family is right. connected to that. Right. To yeah, if you don't have things. your spirituality, your health, or your liberty you don't have your family involved because you have to have people yeah right to be you, healthy you have right. to, exactly to have you know a conscious I mean? mind, yeah. and so as i got into this much more and i kind of like i just consume books on this topic like crazy like the big book that set me off that really got me thinking about it the most was when i first read think and grow rich by mm-hmm. napoleon hill mm-hmm. and uh, that book basically trains your mind around you can create any reality that you want but you have to be able to think it first and then put it down on paper and set goals and kind of sub goals to get yourself there it's basically the concept of that book and he goes into some very esoteric stuff in there as well kind of teaching you about you know how to get to these different things and the more i learned throughout the years i started doing tests on myself like a science experiment to figure out how i could enhance this what i would call a conscious state of awareness right and when i'm um married my wife she's from pennsylvania but her family's from india and so they practice from a spirituality perspective like a mixture of like hinduism i would say and buddhism but her mom has a master's in ancient sanskrit which is like the Mm -hmm. oldest recorded language and energetic spiritual principles in the world that we know of and um so i've learned a lot from them too about how they think about things and it's very basic it's like you know, I feel like a, a lot of religions will complicate things more than they need to be, but theirs is basically like, be a good person. What you do comes back to you, like the laws of karma, things of that nature, mm-hmm. right? And so the more I incorporated that and learned about it too, I've, I've become infinitely fascinated with just this concept of why we're here. What are we doing here? How can I make sure I'm enhancing myself each and every day? And so I started running these science experience, uh, experiments on myself, started off with deep meditation. Eventually, I started running like dietary experiences. So I've always been big into exercising. And I've gone through like the bodybuilding, uh, you know, food protocols and like intermittent fasting and all these other things. And what I noticed, so my wife's never eaten meat in her whole life. So it's very common in India to have a vegetarian background. And so she actually went vegan years back and I ended up removing meat from my diet and dairy to test it because I've learned that it will potentially help your conscious state of awareness and intuitive capabilities. When you don't eat meat or dairy? take it out, yeah. Wow. And so when I tested it, within a matter of like a couple weeks, it was like I woke up one day and I had like this clarity about it. I was like, this is really fascinating. And so I've never eaten meat or dairy since. Really? I didn't know that. And then as I started to get deeper into it, I had another one of my buddies who's like way deep into this, moved to Sedona, Arizona, and he like was like a shaman kind of now. Yeah, and a uh, great guy though. But he actually used to run an organization in St. Louis called Arch Grants that was like, it's like a huge entrepreneurial organization that uh-huh. gives $50,000 grants to bring companies to St. Louis. And he goes, Brian, try taking fluoride out of your body like out of your water supply and out of your toothpaste. How do you do that? And so the challenging part about that is unless you want to hook a device up to your house, you can't fully remove it because you get it from like taking a shower and things of that nature and it absorbs into your skin. But what we did is we went out and bought a water machine that we have these jugs that get delivered to us like every couple weeks that extracts all the fluoride out of the water. Mm -hmm. And then I quit using fluoride-based toothpaste. And about 10 days into that, I woke up one day and it was like... A veil just got lifted, and the really? same thing happened for my wife because well, she started at the same time. You know what's amazing? Uh, speaking of fluoride, just a couple of days ago, it came out that fluoride really affects pregnancies. Actually, oh, yeah. it's bad for pregnancy. And you know, we always—I don't know if you've seen Doctor Strange Love, Stanley Kubrick's Doctor yeah. Strange Love, but part of the reasons why Jack D. Ripper goes off and sets off the course of action in the movie is because of the fluoride 
that they've got the waters and the bodily fluids being corrupted by fluoride. Right, yeah. right. And there's something to that, apparently, yeah. obviously. When I saw that with the pregnancy thing, and now you're talking about it now, it's kind of sure. like... Yeah. I spent so a, a brief time in the there. Netherlands, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a study abroad, and I stayed a little later there. And, you know, it's funny because I I'd lived... I actually had moved out of the American po- complex and lived with the Dutch people that I had met. And they were all, like, you know, like, asking me questions. And they're like, it's kind of crazy that you guys have fluoride just in your water. You yeah. just drink it's it like every day. Ex- experiment or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, like, hey, yeah, we're yeah. going to put a bunch of people here and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. When, you, when you drink it, and also with, like, the standard Western diet, everybody has a gland in their brain. It's mm-hmm. right in the center right here. And for, if you, like, know what the chakra systems are, yeah. it's considered your third eye chakra right here. Right. But what the gland is actually called from a scientific perspective is the pineal gland. And it looks like an eyeball. That's why they call it a third eye chakra. So it has the same rods and cones as we have in our eye, but there's no like ability for it to open, like our eyes open, but it's in the middle of your brain right here. Wow. And when you follow, when you drink fluoride and you have this standard Western diet, it starts to calcify this gland. And so ancient hardens. Civ- it like hardens, yeah. yeah. And ancient civilizations would say that this gland was our connector to the spirit world, like enhancing intuitive capabilities, clairvoyance, clairaudience, all these different quote unquote supernatural abilities that all human beings possess. But if that gland gets calcified, what happens is it slows those down or potentially erases them. Wow. And um, so that was what I learned. Like as I started taking this stuff out, I started to have like my intuition increase, like different things that I have always had, but they just weren't operating and maybe at their full capacity. Are you walking through the day just with a completely clear mind? Like you're not real foggy? Because I know when I'm going through work and just doing stuff, so I'm on a desk all day too. Sure. I get kind of foggy-eyed, and I'm not really clear, and I'm not really paying attention to what I'm doing. Do you notice now that you've taken all of that out that you're kind of like walking meditatively throughout the so day, I, very self-aware and conscious about what you're doing? I do feel very calm and centered throughout the day. Now yeah. it's kind of more of a normalcy for me. Yeah. But like just like anybody, you'll have days where you don't sleep good, and so you're right. tired and things like that. So it's not perfect. Don't get me wrong. But you know, I definitely feel that... I connect dots faster, like I sense things before they occur. Um, one of the other things, too, with this gland in your brain is it secretes a substance called dimethyltryptamine, which is DMT. Yeah. And so when you're yes. born and when you die, a huge influx of DMT comes into the human brain. Right, right. And when you dream and you have super vivid dreams, your brain is secreting really tiny amounts of DMT when that happens. And so um, that's one of these substances that's also been studied very closely. There's a lot of interesting books about it, about what it does for the human species. But um, it's like since I've implemented all these different things and I'm continually treating myself like a science experiment, I've uh, definitely felt an enhancement in general. I think just from like a general health, like a calmness and anxiety perspective, like I was never a super anxious person. I was always pretty chill, but it's, it's definitely reached another level since what, I've been What about the digital things. detox aspect of it? Like, how does sure. that apply? So one of the things that we do every couple months, because, you know, just like anybody, we're sitting in front of blue light computer screens all day long, right? When we're sure. doing work, I've got a bunch of screens in my office. I'm in my office like six, seven days a week is we try to take a digital detox, you know, every so often where we will disconnect from our cell phones, computers, TVs, and everything. Won't even turn them on and try to actually get outside of in like in nature as much as possible for like two or three days in a row. So maybe like a long weekend and spend as much possible time as you can outside. And what I've learned is when you do that, you, 
you've reached like a, a super calm level because whether we know it or not, there's Wi-Fi signals blowing around. Like we right. have electromagnetic frequency waves that are coming off our cell phones and our microwaves and our TVs, even when they're off. Right. So to be able to disconnect and get out in nature, there's some type of like restorative and healing metaphysical mechanic that happens when you're out connected with nature and it like calms you it like revitalizes you and you come back into the office the next week and you were like okay i'm ready to go i want it i went i went up to maine back at the beginning of july and Mm -hmm. we drove up to this the north uh it's called the north maine woods it's a very it's like three million acres in the northwest part of the state and to get to our cabin which is in the middle of this lake we had a canoe to get to it you got to drive about an hour and a half on these logging roads just through the trees. You don't see anybody around you except for the guard station at the beginning of the road. And it's just nothingness. You're out in nature. Mm-hmm. Your signal's lost instantly once you're on that road. You have no contact with the outside world. And we went up there for three or four days. And when I got back, I didn't know what was going on in the world. You know, I didn't. I didn't listen to President Trump when he said something about how we blew up airfields. You know, <laughs> and, and uh, during the 1812 war. You know, I didn't see any of that stuff in the outside world. And I came back. I did feel so much more focused because I had a deposition the next day, and I felt like, wow, I'm in the moment doing this. Mm-hmm. My mind's a lot more clear. I'm asking a lot better questions. I feel great because mm-hmm. we are bogged down by these yeah. damn things in our pockets. It's every like you're day. not you're not a slave to the technology anymore. Right. You're really you, mm-hmm. moving your own wheel. I think that's kind of cool. You have to show the technology who's boss. Yeah. It cannot <laughs> right. It can't you know, be the boss. Don't let it. it it's you. a tool, right? But keep it's listening for those at home. If you're listening, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your don't, yeah. keep listening. Never take a digital detox no, on us ever. No, no. <laughs> Do that. We'll just do it until you. the next episode drops. Right, exactly. yeah. Visual exactly. detox in between Monday and Monday. Yeah. We're doing Mondays. You maybe. will detox between <laughs> Monday and Monday. Your phone is telling you to do that. Yes, but that's, you know, that's, we've got to become master of the technology, mm-hmm. not let it make you a slave to it. Sure. Right? And mm-hmm. I think that's the digital detox that I experience, you experience. How often do you do it? How often so do you we usually try to do it like every you know, two or three months, we'll try to take two or three days and just completely disconnect. Um, My schedule is like increasingly demanding. um, And I've been traveling a lot more the last two years to different places. And so it's it's important. It's something that we'll definitely even sometimes like try to schedule out and see like, we will not book anything at this time because it's that important for like, you know, just us to stay centered. Sure. So uh, I always kind of give it the rundown. Every time we have a guest on our show, the the idea is going to be, you know, as a potential law student or entrepreneur like you, probably more applicable to people that want to be entrepreneurs, uh, what one piece of advice, you get one thing you get to say to them? I know people are never prepared for it, but what's the only one thing you can say? So in that context, entrepreneur or law student, never let your past experience or academic credentials define what you want to do moving forward. So if you went to law school and you want to go become a graphic designer because you have this gut feeling that that's what you love doing, do it. Don't waste time. We are here for a very short period of time on this planet and don't waste it. And I think that goes to also with people that like, oh, I've been working five years doing this. I could never go into this other field. You absolutely can. Your mind is the biggest barrier that anybody builds in front of themselves to tell you that you can't do something. 
And my other recommendation would be is to don't watch the news or read the newspaper. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. I, I don't think I've read that. St- I don't think I've read or watched the news in three years, and I'm like 100x happier. Turn off. <laughs> yeah, turn, right. off turn off the news and build That's a garden. Right. I love it. Yeah. Right. So because I, the news uh, like instills fear. Legitimately. I'm always afraid. It's media <laughs> control, man. All right, Brian Dixon, man. Yeah, thank pl- you. Pl- pl- thank you for having me. Plug your podcast. Sure. Yeah. So I would love it if everybody go check out Deep Thoughts with the Dixons. It's basically on all major podcasting platforms. So you can. So you can watch it wherever uh, you like to watch your watch podcast. Yeah. You can watch yeah. it after this. Yeah, and it's Deep Thoughts with like W slash the Dixons. Oh, okay. yeah. um, if you're interested in learning more about like the cryptocurrency books or some of the other pieces that I've put put out, my website is briandixon.business. That's all on there for free. Um, the other thing I didn't mention on there is our book, Intuition to Innovation. That's a book my wife and I wrote together that's about these concepts that we talked about, like disconnecting and diet and meditation, things of that nature. And if you're an entrepreneur um, in the tech or consumer packaged goods space, look at capitalinnovators.com. So we're always accepting applications. Uh, We get companies from all over the world. We'd love to take a look at you if you're interested in getting investment and going through our program. And we also run a program on behalf of Ameren, and you can go to AmerenAccelerator.com if you're an energy technology company and you're interested in getting engagement with that corporation to learn how to scale your startup. All right. Fantastic. Thanks, Brian. We really, I think we had a great conversation. This was Pretty yeah, cool. wide range. You, yeah. Yeah. you might be Thank the you. most fascinating person I've ever met. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm Thank just you. like, I wow, <laughs> I want to go talk like about five other yeah. things. Let's, let's start a company. Yeah, yeah. Great. Go, go, <laughs> go check them out, folks. Thanks for listening. Be sure to like us on Instagram, Facebook, share us all, all over the place where we have social media. Uh, I don't do that really, so go ahead and do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, like us, <laughs> iTunes, listen, whatever. Listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, all that. And check out Brian Dixon. Brian Dixon, man, thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Take it easy.